You're listening to the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast. Join us on Discord. Welcome to the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast. I'm Jamin. And I'm Tyler. And today we are talking spoilers ahead, if you haven't watched it yet, about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I watched the whole thing in two days this week because Tyler wanted to talk about it. Yep. And so I did that. I was super like entranced at the beginning. And then about midway was kind of a little bored. And then suddenly the twist with crazy captain america going crazy and then and then i was like full-fledged back in again so all that being said episodes why did you get bored <laughs> it was only on episode three and it's partially because i i i couldn't remember who the bad guy was that oh, they got Zemo? out of jail yeah like civil i watched war, every bro civil I, war Civil War is not one of my favorites of the episodes. So really cool. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't like what? watching all my friends fight with each other. It's hard. Tell me again why he was the bad guy in that episode. It would help clarify his thinking in The Winter Wait, Soldier. Why he was the bad guy in Civil War? Yeah, because in throughout the Falcon, it seems like he has like good intentions that make him evils. <laughs> no? Throughout the Falcon, it yep. just sounded like he didn't want super soldiers anymore because yep. of the very thing that it was doing. So why well, was he, he the bad guy? Super soldiers because they are too powerful and they create a like world where it's like unfair. He doesn't like people with heroes because he doesn't have powers, right? And okay. people with powers have like been destroying the the world, everything around like him and like been destroying everything else so he's he's like i just want to kill everybody with powers and that's about it okay so in civil war that was his main well, thing was taking out superheroes yeah uh essentially he was wanting to pin the avengers against each other so that they were broken um he didn't want to necessarily he wasn't trying to like go on like you know the thanos approach of like trying to do something good for the universe with a very like wrong view of the world of like mm. how, the, how everything works. He was more of a, like, I am tired of this. Yeah. Uh, I am tired of this. And uh, essentially if I, if I turn all the heroes on each other, um, then they'll be broken and they won't be able to recover. So then this, it'll send the world into a chaos that he can be then, more successful in because of its ability. Once everything's chaotic, he has more ability to, you know, thrive off of that chaos than somebody that, you know, and his, it, it, they went in a little bit more detail with it in the actual show. Like they talked a little bit more about his view and, um, but it, it I, I think that in civil war, it was less about him uh, and like what he was doing and more about how the characters were reacting to the stuff that he did. So it was like Black Panther was learning that like we don't have to kill like the people that we hate like 
that was a big thing for him. We're just killing each other when it comes down to it in that kind of a way. Like we're not actually helping build anything. Um, so I always found I, I, I like that one a lot. I think it led into the Black Panther movie really well. Um, and then the rest of Civil War was basically setting up why the Avengers weren't ready for Thanos, if you look at it in a big picture. Um, so, like, they were all split up in different areas. Some of them were, you know, it, we had to have all these things showing us where Vision and Wanda were, where, you know, it, when when Thanos comes, where everyone's just scattered and no one's unified anymore. To where, if they were unified, there's a really good chance that they could have stopped, like, Thanos from being able to do anything um, before he could get any of the stones. So, um, Zemo was kind of like the inciting force to get everybody split up and, uh, not be a unified Avengers anymore to be a separated group of here, like just heroes everywhere. Again, he kind of destroyed, uh, any form of order among heroes, uh, which, you know, he thinks is good, obviously, but it's it's pretty bad. I mean, it's led to, you know, the whole reason Falcon and Winter Soldier having to fight with, you know, the Flag Smashers and everything, and uh, it's led to all of that because Thanos was able to snap the world, and now there's a bunch of problems that have to be dealt with, and they're still dealing with all the problems that already existed with, like, race, race mm. issues, and, man, it was just a good show. <laughs> yeah and part of what makes it shine is that at the heart of this is a commentary on social justice in a lot of different ways obviously we already have um a lot of social justice problems going on in the world which they highlight even through uh falcon being black and him being extended to be captain america and you have uh older black man uh his name was isaiah right Isaiah. yep yeah he's been through a lot of racism in the past and he's like look they're never going to accept black captain america like it's just never going to happen whereas he's hopeful that there might but then they throw in a whole nother social justice component which is not hard to imagine well <laughs> it's hard to imagine thanos coming down and snapping his fingers and getting rid of 50 percent of the world in real life sure that's hard to imagine but um it's not hard to imagine that if such a thing were to happen that when 50% of the world comes back, like everything would get super messed up from a social perspective. People who yeah. live in the houses of those who disappeared in the blip, they'd be kicked out of their houses. Now they would be homeless because the people who used to live there, that's rightfully their house. And all this stuff that I think it might've even happened when they brought everyone back from the blip. I think I remember thinking to myself, well, like, how does life go on? Like, there would be a lot of confusion now. And eh, whatever, it's just a movie. We won't cover anything like that. And sure enough, Winter and the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is exactly that commentary. It's like, okay, life is back. We already know social injustice exists in the world on a grand scale. Now let's look at the sci-fi world we've created and retell uh, social justice through the lens of of this myth that we've created that also you know good myth is still true because it's trying to tell true things and so they they then get you into um all of these different parts of the conversations uh aaron said the show was uh so good and it wasn't even the original storyline i don't know what the original storyline was but 
Um, is is this even like a comic series at all, or is this one just made? Well, by like them? the F- the Flag Smasher. If we're talking about like the Flag Smasher story, um, there's a lot of different stories that were written. Like U.S. Agent, which is you know, Bad Cap uh, eventually ends up becoming U.S. Agent, um, and by the end, he kind of you're kind of not he's still a really bad guy, but they're kind of like, he's also just kind of stupid. <laughs> um, so he's Zap Brannigan is kind of, it, essentially. <laughs> yeah. He's, hey. he's like, it's a, that's a bad guy, but he's, he's really stupid and just following along with people who are obviously evil. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the best decision like, of your life is going to be picking up that phone. When I call you like clearly whoever <laughs> we're talking to right now is a little bit devious. <laughs> yeah and uh you know they have all those different stories so like they have u.s agent as a story um they've had you know the falcon becoming uh captain america um they've had but they've also had stories of bucky becoming captain america um they've had uh the flag smasher is normally a single person in in many stories, not a group of people, not a terrorist organization, but a single person that wants mm-hmm. to bring back the like the way it was um, before everybody came back. Uh, so I kind of liked it being a group of people. Uh, I think it made more sense for the show. Um, but Aaron Bray said so. Basically, the original storyline was uh, probably something to do with a global pandemic and weaponizing it. But the show writers thought it would hit a little too close to home. I was actually going to talk about that. Yeah, so that's what you meant by original storyline. Yeah, so you can definitely tell within the third, four, or fourth episode, there's um, some shots where they are just like on a computer, and then you can just hear a guy's voice like saying, uh, and a totally different. Uh, totally different recording set like totally uh totally cold mic um (laughs) uh just was all like the i think it originally had to do with like a a virus or something similar or a huge pandemic obviously um but that wasn't gonna work because we were you know coming out of um and still a part of a global pandemic so it would have been really bad for them uh i'm sure that they were scrambling um Similar to other big experiences in the past, you know, friends had uh, their, you know, late 2000s, well, early 2000s, I mean, uh, show that they had to rewrite um, about flying and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, So shows have had to do this in the past, and I think they handled it really well. Uh, There was only, like, a couple times where I could be like, yeah, that was that was weird. Uh, Why did they, like, go away from a guy and then never show his face again? But it was like the science of the like experiments and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what what scene I'm talking about? Where they have like they're like talking to a scientist, and then he's all like, it it's like talking to him for a second, and then it zones zooms away from him, and he's still talking, but it's completely different mic. No, you have to look that up. It's hilarious to watch. So like, if you notice it, like it's he's, he's talking to them. Like they got like the shot in that they needed to keep. Right, and they were like, "Okay, this still works." Oh, but this next part's about like the pandemic or like weapon, like mass weapon of like, uh, like you know, uh, some type of pandemic kind of thing going on. So they had to reshoot that part, but it was mm-hmm. during the pandemic, so they couldn't just, you know, get Re- the guy back on a set <laughs> with the same like setup. And 
So he had to just like send in a recording of himself saying the lines that they needed him to say. And it's, it's completely different audio. It does not sound good. Uh, but seeing as you know what they had to do, it worked fairly well. Uh, and they, they were able to keep most of the storyline together. Yeah. Well, it is funny that, you know, like talking about a pandemic might hit too close to home. And yet basically we're getting into the topics of things like black lives matters and that, that, hits close to home in like a good way, you know? And I I guess maybe, (laughs) yeah, I guess maybe the difference is like the pandemic, we're all, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some of the difference pandemic, like we're grieving and it's just life is, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to find the right words. The difference that I see is like one was thrust upon us without like, like we didn't create, a pandemic you know uh we, yeah. we create some of the problems of a pandemic sure but the pandemic is more something that's just kind of traumatic and triggering in our minds of saying like this is just negative for everyone to where some people need to be taught uh about you know social injustice racism especially from an american viewpoint and if we're going to be talking about somebody who represents america in the modern day they have to be someone that talks about social justice. And uh, so I think that while the pandemic isn't something they needed to talk about, it's something that would just bring up negative memories. This is something that we can learn from and we can gain more experience from if they start talking more and bringing up the importance of um, the different, you know, racial inequalities of the past within America, um, which, you know, it makes sense that Cap wouldn't have talked about it um, at all because he wasn't even from this era. Uh, he was still trying to figure out what happened between his era and today. And by all means, like a lot of times in the past that Cap's written, he is kind of racist, um, not in like a blatant sense on like meaning it, but in a very like unknowing, un unwitting. Um, he he just is a part of a system that is racist and needs to learn how to get out of that. To where now we're getting a black Captain America, which you know he's not black Captain America. He's just Captain America, uh, and it's it's great uh, to see that. It's great to see that he's representing uh, part of American history that I don't think's really ever been represented in the same way. Like we've had Falcon as Cap, but it's I don't think it's gonna be the same at all. Um, I think that he wants to represent something specific, so I like that. Yeah, and he looks freaking sweet too. Towards yeah. the end, when, <laughs> there's that part where he like dives down with the shield and the wings together to block something. It's like, oh, this is even cooler than Captain America. But Dude, this guy's a re- Valkyrie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, this is just like straight out of God of War. Like <laughs> that you're. Um, but I want to rewind for a minute on something you were saying. There's the scene. The most painful and like traumatizing scene is probably when you've got, you know, bad cap. Is that what we call him? Bad cap, straight up. (laughs) It's US agent. Yeah, US agent, which I actually don't know much about that character. This is what Marvel's got to be super excited about after years of basically telling the story of Spider Man. Yeah. pretty much just spider-man now they've gotten so much traction they can tell stories about like the comics that nobody ever read um or few fewer mainstream people ever read i haven't read kills me. many of these kinds of things either so um yeah. 
Well, there's there's that scene where you have Bad Cap just like straight up murdering a man in front of a bunch of people, U.S. agent, right? <laughs> uh, there's blood on his shield, and he's looking around like people just staring at him. And he continues to feel justified about what he did. He even lies to himself to like yeah. try to make it seem like what he did was right. He is, when they're looking for a new Captain America, they choose a white guy, uh, a war hero, um, all of this stuff. And then there's that scene, like, to me, I don't know if other people felt it this way, but I think the fact of him being in a foreign country, having just murdered this man there's blood on his shield he's looking around like somehow that just struck me as like this is the way that the rest of the world often looks at america is just like this is us just white guys with power with violence with vengeance with uh bloodshed with justification of what we trying to justify what we did what we continue to do um and uh I just, there was a certain like symbology in that scene for me where I was like, man, this is, this has got to be the way that the world often sees us. And I think when you look at some of the like material that we have around the world, like Kirby, for instance, Kirby, this little pink puffball, right? In Japan, he's always smiling. He's always happy. He's always like, ah, you know, like that's just, that's just Kirby. But if you look at the same box art in America, he's always ticked off. He's angry. His eyes are like, his brows are knit. Always mad. Like, because they know that this is what America wants, you know? <laughs> like, Go make sure you me. change happy little pink cloud man into angry, vicious, out for blood Kirby. Uh, and then uh, I think you see that in a lot of other ways, too, that. I, I don't even remember who said it. Maybe it was you or someone else, but um, maybe it was Joel. Uh, I don't I don't remember. I shouldn't assign words to anyone. But something about, like, people of other countries often confused at, like, our media and how much, like, desire for violence and blood and all this that there is. Because uh, we're usually coming at them about different themes, but then they look at our media as like, why are you always killing each other, you know? And to some extent, Marvel always undoes the same logic they try to prove, you know? Like, a lot of this is about, why do we need to fight? Why do we need to beat each other up? And yet, the way that they teach each other not to beat each other up is by beating the tar out of each other because they're superheroes and they can take it. And I think that was another scene that struck me I don't even know if Marvel intended to do this, but um, when, uh, what's the guy's name, dies, that triggers bad cap. Oh, yeah. I don't know his name. Oh, man. I forget his name. I was going to say Lucas, but I don't think it's Lucas. He gets, like, thrown up against a pole and dies, right? They have all been, like, fighting nonstop, beating the tar out of each other, and one of them dies. And like suddenly they all just they all just stop. Like, yeah. oh, I didn't mean to do that. I'm like, oh no. What do you mean you did it, dude? What was the point of this fight? Like you were all clearly trying to like kill each other. And someone was going Lamar. down. And Aaron said Lamar. Lamar. Thank you. Lamar. Lucas. I had the L right. Lamar dies, and they're just like Yeah. Well, I didn't see that coming. I'm like, Oh, we weren't expecting what? that. 
Yeah, I'm just like they stopped as though I can't believe you just crossed that line. I'm like, what what line were you all aiming for? You're all just beating each other up, and they're not super soldiers, and you know that, and you know what's going to happen if you keep beating up a normal, everyday, un-superhero person. I had the exact same thought as you. I had the exact same one. Like, what just happened? And I kind of, the way that my mind rationalized it was like everyone else there uh, during that most of that time had been fighting to protect something. Right, like uh, the the flag smashers are fighting to protect their, you know, their way of life. What keeps these people that are being oppressed, being uh, being you know, put down and kept away from the rest of the world, and they have to like live together and barely survive. They're fighting to protect their lives. Uh, you have like you know Falcon and the Winter Soldier fighting to like keep the flag smashers alive and try to have a, like you know a normal conversation, and then you have the people who are attacking. And that's the U.S. agent and Lamar. They come in and they're trying to, like, attack. They're, they're not defending anything. Uh, they're viewing themselves as defenders, but they're not. They're attacking another country. Like, these guys weren't doing anything with America uh, at that point, you know? Like, they had been, like, mostly around Europe and other countries, but, like, this is an American agent, a the, the U.S. agent, coming to another country um, to de- defend America. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's kind of another thing that we do as Americans. So I think that in that moment, the defenders accidentally killed somebody and that's kind of how the world reacts, right? Like the, everybody in the world goes, Oh no, you just hurt them. You just hurt America. Like it, that, that, that death was bad. Yeah. But like they weren't there defending anything. <laughs> And then America was like, "You killed somebody while we were attacking." Yep. We're gonna we're gonna kill your defenders now even more, and feel justified for it. You know, and a lot of the time we see, you know, we blame, and this is some people are probably gonna see this and be like, "Hey, you know, Tyler, Tyler, stop! You're just bringing politics into this." But this whole thing was political. Uh, you're you're seeing, literally. Oh, we see terrorists uh, often in, in the world. They come out, and we call the Flag Smashers terrorists. Most of the people, especially Americans, did um, within the show. We call these people terrorists from overseas because they're trying to... You know, they're, they're, using, uh, they're using terror to in order to keep themselves or their message alive. A lot of the time, though, these people are terrorizing America and American soldiers and all the people that are you know stationed in their countries. Um, because we're watching over them, protecting them from themselves. I don't know. Taking uh, their gas. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know, don't want to talk about it too obviously, but we're, we we often like to take things from them. Yeah, and uh, we start to see like it just really makes me upset that that we often say like, oh, you're a terrorist for trying to stop our armies from being in your country. Is that terrorism? We killed their fathers and families and we killed the people before them in order to have their like geographical location because it gives us something, whether that be you know a tactical advantage in a war 
or it gives us uh, monetary uh, it advent like it's advantageous for monetary reasons such as oil, um, or it's simply a way for us to negotiate between uh, other countries as to have a position within that country. Yeah, I think. Sorry, go ahead. And and, this, and that's what that moment is is when a, an oppressor, a person coming into a country saying that you're a terrorist because you're trying to stop us from being here and you're trying to change something. These people weren't attacking people before they started getting resistance physically. Uh, like we look back and we've, if we trace the events back, these people were just living their lives and then were forced out of their homes. You know, like it, when they say forced, I am assuming they're not meaning they were asked politely multiple times to leave. I'm assuming these people were dragged out of their homes at like gunpoint and other types of things because that's how that usually happens. In other countries, they call it diaspora, um, which is people being taken out of where they live and put somewhere else forcefully, which they, they did in this. This is what these flag smashers are standing against is they literally have nowhere to go. They owned homes that other people were living in. They had businesses that were being run that the other person came back. So now those people get to live their lives and the world went back to normal for everyone, but them. And now they're living in this oppressed world. Uh, while the people that wanted to go back to normal are the people that were in power, like Americans uh, and American soldiers. And then we decided that we didn't like the way that they wanted things to be changed. So we kept those guns up. And once they got attacked physically back, once America got attacked back in this show. Well, then all, then they wanted to start a war over it. And uh, we feel justified in doing whatever we want to make it make our side win. Yeah, and I think one of the beauties of this particular form of Captain America, I mean, you know me at least, when the original Captain America came out, like I was uncomfortable with just the idea of Captain America. Like I, I enjoy the superhero character and all that, but like the whole thing to some extent was kind of like flag worship itself, you know, like America's the greatest and the best and here's our superhero and everywhere he goes, he represents us. And uh, when you think of America, think of this war man of incredible caliber who's been the souped up blonde hair blue-eyed yeah christian yeah. yeah yeah and just like for me though like like uh, i don't like like you know i'm here about the kingdom of heaven yes i live in the world but i'm trying to bring heaven to it i don't live by the the like same kingdom mindset as america i'm called to be a prophetic voice against when America is going the wrong way and to encourage it when it's going the good way, uh, things like that. Like that is kind of like the Christian, yeah, Christian worldview that we live in. So when you have this character, like when I was thinking of this character, I was just thinking like back in the day when Captain America must've first been drawn up, it had to, to some extent be around this, like America. Yes. You know, like the best, the greatest, like, I'm sure Captain America has his origins in that. So when we look at this new Captain America, you know, with Falcon, like, it's just like, thank God <laughs> that it's not the same picture as when the original writers were probably creating Captain America back in the day. Instead, he now represents 
the social injustices and the global injustices that America has caused throughout the years. Uh, and he, he stands out as like a representation of like, here, here's the problems that we have and America isn't everything that we've said it is. And we can be better than we currently are. Uh, Casey just said in the comments that uh, cap was originally there for propaganda but the cool thing that the MCU did was make him make his own choices. So yeah, originally you have America, Captain America enter the scene as a part of like this narrative. I'm guessing against Nazis if he was written that long ago. No, I don't remember. Just, it was just propaganda so that people would join. Um, yeah. Would join the American army. It not just it like, Oh, okay. It was actually like saying like, this is what, you know, the ideal, like yep. citizen would look like someone who'd want to fight and die for their country. Um, yeah. Well, so with all that ideology and the original kind of feelings of Captain America, it's yeah. just so cool to see that the way Marvel's writing it now is like, mm, the new Captain America literally shows us how blind we are to our own problems. And that goes to many of the things that you were just saying, like America, look, I could show you pictures of the places we've bombed and the children and the, uh, the women and children that have gotten killed in like safe places trying to hide from us. Like we are the terrorists, you know, like everybody can become a terrorist to someone else if we're not treating them rightly and with love. And part of the beauty of new Captain America is yes. While they do undo their logic by beating the tar out of each other constantly, you at least have the scene of like, let me just go talk to them. Let me look at another human being, recognize the similarities we have and work from there. And you see this moment where he almost wins over the flag. Crash staff flag smashers, smashers. <laughs> staffers, crashers, the flag smashers. Like he almost wins her over until, yeah. of course, you know, white, powerful, angry Wyatt. Captain America walks in and uh, undoes it with his his violent. Like it's so it's such a dumb scene. Like he walks in and he says, "All right, you're under arrest now." I'm like. How are you going to just, what, you think she's just going to, okay, here you go. Like, obviously, it's not going to work. But, like, that scene right there was, like, a, an example of, of I he think, even America's, yeah, and America's inability to listen and to understand and to try to figure it out. And there's a lot of beauty in that final scene, too, where, where, uh, Wilson, uh, finally makes it sam <laughs> sam i was gonna say jake what is wrong with me today <laughs> sam wilson uh walks in and he um he gives this whole speech that there's some part when the senator responds there's a certain kind of like cheesy feeling to it it like just feels a little scripted but sam's words just throughout that whole speech are very powerful like look you yeah. just put everybody that looks like you in leadership with you. And so you never hear the stories of what other people are going through. You call these people terrorists and you got to stop doing that. You need to see them for the people they are and hear what they're trying to say. And, uh, I think, you know, any of us can become terrorists if we're not careful. I think Christianity plenty of times has 
become terrorism. I mean, just look at our history, the things that we've done, the people we've killed, the things the that crusades. we say, the crusades are, I mean, Jesus himself was terrorized upon a cross. Like that's a statement, but that's a huge statement against terrorism, I would say. And yeah. yet uh, we then try to throw the cross on the floor and pick up a sword anyways. And so I think when you look at um, like what Christians have done with our religion, we too, we become, we become terrorists. And, and if we're not really focusing on the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and we're bringing in American mindset or any worldly kingdom mindset, we will always set that cross down and pick up a gun instead and yeah. become the terrorist to another person. So when we look at this, we're like, oh, yeah, these people just terrorists, terrorists. Like, we need to first point to ourselves and say, look what we've done. Repent of that. And then maybe we'll be able to hear the cry. Um, I know I'm talking a lot. I'll use one more statement before I turn it back to you. There's There was a statement that really stuck out to me uh, with Sam where he says, uh, uh, I'm with you in your fight. I'm just not fighting it the way that you fight it. I'm paraphrasing it. <laughs> you added more, I think. <laughs> yeah, I quoted it last night, but I, I accidentally wrote can instead of can't and realized it. <laughs> I accidentally said the opposite. Uh, but, you know, he's like, I'm with you for what you stand for. I just can't fight it the way that in the yep. form that you're fighting it. And I think that's yeah. so much of, of, um, a lot of the conversations that I've watched over the last year. So like we were involved in marches for um, uh, black lives matters. I mean, they weren't official black lives matters marches, but they were marches on race here in Jackson. Right. And the reason that I was a part of that is because as my shirt says, Jackson in Jackson, as it is in heaven, like I want to bring heaven to Jackson. And that means recognizing that our black brothers and sisters are made in the image of God and black lives matter to God. And so I'm using my feet to put words to my actions. Um, but at the same time, the world was on like a, like dangerous, <laughs> like some of these marches across the world were turning into riots and were going the opposite of what I believe would be, uh, what the kingdom of heaven would be calling me to do. So for me, it's like, I'm involved in this March so long as like I can agree in purpose and what we do, but I walked all these marches because the moment that it shifted, if it went any other direction, I was just going to walk out. Like I, I'm only, you know, involved as far as I can. And so like, I had this kind of similar statement to Sam, like I'm, I'm in this fight with you and i realize this march isn't overtly christian but i see christian themes in it and the moment that it changes well i can't fight the fight that way and i'll step out and then have to speak against the way you're fighting as well and so i think that that statement from sam just kind of like grabbed a lot for me of like what i've been feeling throughout the last year where people are like often I'm like, no to BLM, yes to BLM. Like for me, I'm like, I'm a yes so long as we have mutual ground and if it goes another route, I'm out. You know, like uh, I I just have my allegiance to Jesus and him alone. So, okay, there's me throwing up a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> 
No, I was actually going to respond to a little bit back. So it is a little bit of a jump on in topic, but you talked about a little bit like uh, they kind of mess up with uh, their message when they have all their, all their heroes like hitting each other. Uh, and all of the like people are always, you know, like throwing punches and like um, always committing violence. Um, but I think that uh, and this is going to be weird for some people. So I'm going to use an analogy, uh, but in the elder scrolls, uh, which is part of Skyrim, Oblivion, Morrowind, those games. Uh, the dragons, uh, the Dova, uh, in that world, uh, their words, their language have literal power. Um, so, like, if they say fire, literal fire comes out of their mouth. They say ice, literal ice comes out of their mouth. And the more that they, like, say, the more philosophically and, like like, sound their argument is the more literally powerful it will be. Um, and I think it's the same kind of idea. So like, and in, in the Elder Scrolls, these, these, these dragons uh, often will have conversations um, and philosophical arguments that will literally like destroy parts of the world. Uh, that they're just so powerful. And the one who has the more philosophically like inclined argument is going to win and in their culture the one who can like that has the best argument is the one that they'll yield to so if like you destroyed more of the earth more of like the earth with your uh of nern i should say with your um with your thum your shout then uh your voice then you had the the higher philosophical argument and you went you won the argument um, and I think it's the same way in the way we do media uh, in, in, in America and in a lot of other places now. Um, it, through books, we've done it for years. I think Tolkien even does it. Um, and Christians love it because we like to talk about something uh, called spiritual warfare that a lot of people, I, I think, is the exact same thing. Uh, it's coming from this idea that you are having a fight physically like there's something happening happening physically we show like in lord of the rings you see these orcs literally coming and attacking these humans and elves and like trying to destroy them it's awesome for like cinematography imagination um of this war you can physically understand it there's a war we know what that looks like we know the chaos we know the the hurt and trouble that it shows uh However, it's a lot harder to understand something that's happening in your mind or like in your spirit. Um, so we have to equate it to a physical representation of the argument. So when you watch like movies, I do this all the time because I think that's what the a good like fight choreographer is attempting to show the fight as a as a way to show the argument in physical form. Uh, that's what a good like fight choreography would be because the whole point is to show who has the right argument. And that's like when you have the fight between the winter soldier Falcon and us agent um, in the second to last episode, I think. And they're all just like beating each other up. And then like they break his arm um, to get the shield off his arm. Um, there's a lot of like, when you look and break down those segments of like how they're fighting, the U.S. agent, the way he uses his shield is similar to the way he uses his argument and the way that he lives his life. He is attacking with it. Like, he throws his punch with the shield because he knows he can do more damage with it, right? 
um, in the same way his arguments are all pointed. They're all very attack you, and Jesus has the same kind of argument in like Revelation when they talk about the sword of his mouth. It could be physical. It could literally be metaphor. It could be both. Uh, but the image that we're seeing is uh, the image that we're given is so that we can see that his, and I think the reason why it's speaking in that kind of wordage is because if they just said Jesus said things and then it was powerful, you'd be like, okay, so like it was like a powerful speech. Like that imagery that we see, some a sword coming out of someone's mouth uh, is is pretty intense. And I, th I think that when we see heroes, we see these action movies, um, the good ones will attempt to tell an argument in a fight scene so that it makes more sense to our minds as to how important that situation actually is. Uh, and so that's how I view my, uh, when I see characters fighting, they're not fighting. They are literally fighting in the show and you have to be able to say like, yes, that is fighting. However, it should be more of a, it should be more of a way to represent the argument that's happening in the show similar to how the dragons have arguments with their their powerful voices uh so that's that's how i view fight scenes whatever you're media. yeah and whatever you're saying about fight scenes has made casey start speaking in tongues in the comments i don't know what's, uh, he uh... said fusro <laughs> da which is force uh it, it, fus means force uh ro is power uh, i can't remember what they all are but it's for something something uh in in uh, dova in their tongue their thumb oh. uh so fushro da is like force so like it expels people away from you uh with when you say it because you're the in the in skyrim you're the dova keen which is of dragon kind um so like you are literally like when you speak their words uh you also have the power that the dragons do. Okay, I don't know enough about made-up languages. Sorry, I, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, what was the um, Casey also mentioned? Can we also talk about the Wakanda putting a fail-safe combo in White Wolf's arm? Uh, I apparently didn't pay enough attention to lingo, so I don't even know what he's talking about. Yeah, so she like. Uh she like clicks a few things in his arm and it just falls off. Oh, right, right, right. That's what he meant. And Oh man, he's like, I, it caught me off guard too. Cause it shows that they didn't fully trust him. Like they, he thought they did. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, he thought that he was so trusted that he was given this, this, like his weapon back, something that like he was using as a sword, but now he's using as a shield. Um, and so it's it's really interesting, uh, you know, when they give. Now I'm thinking, you know, they gave the Falcon his suit too. Do they have? Do they have fail safes for everyone in these armors? Like, are they? I don't know. Does Wakanda think that they have like a a like monopoly on? on what they can do to people because like the, i think they're kind of going the tony stark route of like well if it's my armor then i can make sure that you can't do anything <laughs> you know what i mean so like uh i don't know just that kind of that threw me off guard um 
she actually the, one of the spots that's not translated for some reason is she says one of the Wakandan gods like she's she's basically like oh my god Bucky during that same section um, but they don't translate it which was really weird uh, and like it's the specific god like over the like over like the wolf kind of a thing so I, there's a chance that she was like saying like you're not worthy of this arm kind of a thing in that kind of moment too so there was a lot to that interesting I just blew Casey's uh, mind apparently with the Falcon failsafe <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, back when you were talking about fights uh, one of the scenes for fighting that I I really appreciated was an attempt before he's trying to create a pacifistic way of reaching out to the flag yep. smashers, smashers. With, <laughs> by like having a conversation by the end of it. He actually puts his fight into the same way of like, mm-hmm. he's not going to hurt her. He's not going to do anything. He just kind of stands there and waits for, for her to kill him. If that's truly what she has to do. And for me, that was one of the moments where I was like, okay, this is the kind of like captain America that especially becomes worthy of being a superhero because his life is not as important as trying to win over his enemies with love, which there's a very Jesus-y thing there. Of course, you can never tell that narrative in a show, so they just make someone else kill her. But at least, at least they like uh, <laughs> this. This goes for Disney just in general. At the end of most children's movie, you always got to kill the bad guy. It's as though like the narrative that they can't live always has to be told. Like in Incredibles. Guy gets sucked into a jet engine, spewed out the back in a million pieces. Clayton yeah. from Tarzan hangs himself on vines. Ursula gets gets impaled by a rock. <laughs> it's uh, Snow White's villain, uh, Maleficent. It's like tossed off a canyon into the rocks of fire. It's just like this consistent narrative of just bad guys always got to die. <laughs> I wanted her to live so bad. Like I wanted her to be a character in this upcoming like arc. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I mean, if you're gonna possibly flip uh, uh, Wanda over to the evil side, then you could also possibly flip a flag smasher, smasher over to to the good side. You know, and like, and she still had like she would have been like one of the last people with the super soldier serum. Right, yep. so like, uh, that's so cool. Yeah, but at least you know they gave the space to tell. They just gave the space to tell different stories through this particular superhero lens, and they I'm also. Bucky. <laughs> I was just about to go there. They also give space for Bucky to like kind of go through therapy and deal with the kind of stuff that he's done, trying to make amends, trying to. Um, escape from the nightmares of the things that he's gone through and yeah those powerful words too from uh, Falcon who's Sam. from Sam who's like look man you you gotta actually try to deal with your stuff if you're gonna get out of this you know and uh, of yeah. course that's, that's all set up pretty hard when you've killed this your friend's son and you wish you could take it back but like they they give the space for uh, 
kind of like the stories of forgiveness, of recovery, of making amends, of um, doing so as the verbiage often goes in recovery, like doing as much as I can recognizing like I can't think of the exact phrase, but I'm I'm doing as much as I can regardless of how the other party's going to react with it. Um Yeah. And so you you've got you've got just some wider stories and just here's a superhero beating up bad guys, uh even if you do constantly have um bad guys being beaten up. Uh and you also see the consistent kind of social justice themes in as many forms as they can. You've got, yeah. here's Sam, who's like a very well-known superhero, and cops are trying to arrest him because he's a black man yelling at a white man in the middle of a street, you know, instead of the other way around. And then you've got uh, him trying to go to a bank to try to find what he, you know, money to try to save his sister's business and and, like, there's just no way around the legalities. It just is what it is. Sorry, man. You know, it's the constant, constant social justice yeah. theme trying to make us think wider than we currently do. So. Uh, Casey, I want to talk as much as I can about the power broker and agent Carter. And I want to talk more about Sam's uh, uh, nephews and his sister and their boat and I want to talk more about everything, but we just don't have enough time for all of it. Uh, I don't know what happened with the power broker, though, and, and uh, well, you know, how Agent Carter got to that point. It's really confusing to me because I'm like, I'm sitting here like, yeah, she grabbed suits for some superheroes to run away. How'd she become a the power broker? <laughs> also... I, I didn't watch the show Agent Carter. Is this the same Carter? Is this like a descendant? This is her, da- this is her daughter. So okay, like Agent Carter, the show was uh, based off of Cap's love interest in the original Captain yeah. America. Uh, this is the daughter from Civil War. Um, you need to rewatch that movie, Jamin. <laughs> Just to explain, when I found out that they were making uh, Marvel civil war i read the comics and i hated them totally, totally different yeah captain america actually in the comics goes a bad route he does exactly what they do in this movie where he wants to fight for what could be a justified cause it's not that it's just supposed to reveal his identity i guess you could fight as to if that's really justified or not but the means oh, to which yeah, he goes right. to fight for it are like beating everybody up to the point that Captain America himself is, you know, Steve's like, put me in jail. I'm a bad person. (laughs) Like, I can't believe I have led an uprising in the way that I have. And so, like, it wasn't a very reasonable story in the comics. It wasn't that enjoyable. And I thought what they were doing with uh, Marvel Civil War, I thought it was going to be the next three movies telling the Civil War. And so... I saw the first one, and when I found out the next one was Thanos years later, I was like, wait, what about the Civil War narrative? <laughs> so so I was just set up for not wanting to enjoy the next, like, six years of Marvel movies, and that wasn't the route it went. So now I can go back and watch it. I didn't enjoy it because of I thought it was just one episode of many more to come. Yeah. Yeah, so no, it was just a quick that was one. Why I, it was a quick one. 
Well, that was why I didn't pay much attention to it because I was like, I can't do this for six years. <laughs> yeah, it technically wasn't even an Avengers movie. Civil War was Captain America. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I know. Captain America got a lot of movies, and they were big. So, like, it, it's surprising that he's just kind of gone after the first phase. It's like, he's not even dead. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for him to show up the whole series. Because he's, he's still alive, isn't he? He's on the moon. Is he, uh, is he actually on the moon? <laughs> That's what people kept saying. I just know, like, at the end of Avengers, you know, Age of Ultron, he's just like, here's, yeah. your, here's a shield. I'm out of here. See you later. So I was waiting for him to, like, show up and, like, lecture Sam, you know, the whole time. Sam, I gave you that shield for a reason. And it never happened, so. <laughs> They couldn't afford Chris Evans for the TV show, I guess. Disney Plus goes up another dollar in the next month, so I imagine they need to make more Marvel shows they can't afford. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, all right. Well, anything else we need to cover before we wrap up? I know we've been going for a while. I don't think... uh, There's just so many things that we could talk about, especially the Captain America's on the moon, (laughs) Steve Rogers. (laughs) I... I don't know. It got. It was a theory, and then this dude said it like in the show, and everyone was like, "What?" <laughs> Makes sense to me. Steve Rogers is actually on the moon right now. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out in the next one. Uh, yeah. With all that being said, do we have another Marvel series that we're waiting for from Disney? Loki coming out in June. That's right. So this one's not going to add into the current story since he's dead unless he's mischiefed him away. What? Yeah, he in did you not watch any Marvel movies? He died. We all watched him die in yeah, Thor's he died hands. In Infinity War. He died in Infinity War and then he they went back in time in the next Marvel movie, right? In Endgame, they went back and in he time. Did. He grabbed the Tesseract and popped away. <laughs> so he's alive he's alive yeah i thought the loki show was just like a throwback show like here's some no, he's canon. Alive. well i guess i wasn't paying attention to that scene so yeah. i guess that's yeah. the next one they dropped the little blue thing the tesseract and he's all like i could get that and there was two of them in that time so he was like uh, I'll grab that. He disappears and goes away, and we're oh, all like, "Oh, I vaguely remember this now." Guess, guess Loki's back, but it's an older Loki that just tried to take over New York, so uh, he's evil again. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it is. Okay, well, I guess Loki is the next one in June. I think that we will June tenth discuss. In the meantime, yeah. All right. Well, with all that being said. Tell us about the different kinds of themes and storylines that you've experienced. Uh, Casey and Aaron have had a lot of um, good conversation in the comments on Facebook where you can go read those and watch the video of us chatting there. Otherwise, you're listening to this on the 1208 Nerd Church podcast, which is available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Also, find the Discord link so that you can chat with us in our Discord about today's episode and much more. In the meantime... Tyler will let you go with the words of the week. Biggity bap, faux crap.
just becomes more and more gibberish in every episode. But Willy Wham Wham Wazzle.